This is the MoveChannel.com's property inspector uh, taking a closer look at global real estate each month. Uh, this month we're inspecting property scams, uh, where they happen, why they happen uh, and how you can avoid them. We've all received those emails from Nigel in Nigeria whose grandfather has left him a gazillion dollars and a golden pony but hasn't given him a way to access the money or apparently a telephone or a first class stamp. Scams have evolved thanks to the internet selling property online. It is one of the best things to happen to the industry but it's also one of the most dangerous. People don't turn up on your doorstep anymore with a glossy brochure and a firefax. Uh, they go on Craigslist and they pick a random house, they advertise it to rent uh, and they collect your money. With me is one of the MoveChannel.com's property finders, Jonathan Ben. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for talking to me. What's the, uh, what's the situation for buyers? Now with cheap classified listings on the web, people are using these sites more and more. Even for property? Absolutely. The thing is that people trust the internet, even though there may not be you know, much regulation behind the scenes. But you've probably seen the news about Richard and Faith Shard from Virginia. Well, they rented out a home on Craigslist from a man who said he was away on a humanitarian mission. Now, then, when the, they moved in, the cops turned up and kicked them out because the rent of the property had broken in and pretended to own the house. But I've heard of these, these kind of fake property listings, but do people not check on other sites to see if the listing is being copied or you know, do some research to see if the house is actually on the market? because you can now arrange to buy a house overseas with a few clicks. A lot of people don't check, or don't think to check. Like I said, they trust the internet. There's another example, again with free classified listing sites that people cancel a lot. Let's say you're selling a house, then you find a buyer, but the person pays too much for it. They pay by check, then ask uh, for the difference to be refunded back to them by cash or by electronic transfer. That, that seems reasonable enough. Ah, but three weeks later, it turns out that the check has bounced, and you've given some cash to someone, someone for nothing. Now both of those are what I call classic Craigslist schemes. It's always the same principle. Trick people into giving you enough money for something you can't have. It's just a different wrapping. Of course this is a problem for property portals too. Uh, how can sites who state their business on reputation and reliability sell property safely without being exposed to scammers? Uh, I'm joined now by Nick Smith, account manager at themovechannel.com. Uh, Nick, are scams just an inevitability of, of online property? Is that that the businesses just have to accept that they're at risk? Yes and no. The industry is active in trying to stop the scammers or at least minimise the potential risks for themselves and, and their clients. Right, but some must slip through occasionally. Sure, yes, there's always a risk, but a lot of overseas authorities are trying to clamp down on the dodgy developers and the agents. Mm -hmm. People try to extort money from buyers with overpriced property, made-up admin fees, fictional taxes and so on. Hmm. As a business, what about your sellers? Do they ever get tricked by that? Say the, the overpaying refund trick that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, again, there, there is a risk, um, but we do what we can to minimise any problems. Right. Um, can, you, can you give an example? One client who, who I can't name, they actually received a lead from us, um, a buyer looking to buy property in America. After filling out the forms and agreeing to deposit 50% of the money, our client received proof of payment on head of paper and were told to expect him in the US to finalise the deal. Mm -hmm. There were documents with official flight numbers and everything, a few mix up with the, air, with the names of the airports, but our client was satisfied with explanations like, my son booked it for me and he just made a, a, a mistake. Right, so that was professionally headed um, papers, documents, flight numbers and stuff. Yes, they received an email saying that he'd pay the rest in cash because of trouble with the authorities and, and lots of transfers from his accounts. Yeah, alarm bells. Um, but here's what our client actually wrote, what happened next. We were then informed that the client never arrived on Friday or the Saturday. On the Monday morning, we arrived in the office to find that the Cameroon Immigration Department had been in touch saying Mr. Made-up-name 
was being hammered by the Swiss immigration department due to carrying a large sum of money out of Africa. In order to secure his release and allocate a solicitor to allow him to continue his journey, we had to confirm that he was legitimately purchasing property and confirm everything for him. After doing this, we were then informed that we would have to deposit $500 into a Western Union account. Um, did they pay that amount? No, they called the Zurich Immigration Office, who confirmed that they weren't holding any money from Cameroon at all. So they, they did all of that just to get $500? Yes, but imagine if they tricked 10 people with that. A few emails, a few phone calls, and they'd have $5,000. True. But these are, these are professional estate agents as well. This isn't, this isn't people going on holiday and renting out a, an apartment on, on Craigslist. These, are, these people have been in the industry for some time. They, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they've been in the industry for years. You can never really be too careful. And what about the move to Amazon.com specifically uh, as a business? What, what can you do to help your clients, the, the sellers, uh, in these kind of situations? Well, our job is to provide leads for people. We put sellers in contact with those people who want to buy their properties. If a lead we provide is a scam, or a suspected or suspected of being a scam, we ask sellers to report it straight away. Um, we investigate the lead, and if it's what we call invalid, then we, we refund them 100%. And we're not going to charge a seller for a lead that doesn't exist. I mean, that's what a scammer would do. With me now is Neil Heaney, uh, CEO of the Judicare Group, specialist in the recovery of overseas property investments. Neil, how would you define the word property scam? Uh, property scam uh, is a word that's used a lot of times by disgruntled clients. Um, uh, obviously, the difference between uh, a property investment going wrong uh, and a scam generally centers around the intention of the developer. Uh, and that, that's the difference between uh, a scam or a criminal case and just a straight civil case of a developer not delivering a project. Um, so it depends on what the intention was of the developer at the time of purchase. What are the most common forms that scams can take? M many of them centre, the, certainly the criminal ones, centre around uh, the developers at the time either not owning the land uh, or not having uh, sufficient funding in place when they were taking clients' deposits. Uh, and, and really the intention from the very beginning is to defraud the client out of the money. Uh, and not have an intention to either fulfil the purchase contract uh, or not to actually complete the development. So in effect, they're just conning or scamming the money out of clients at the point they sign the purchase contract and, and pay the deposits. Uh, with the current economic climate, there's obviously a higher number of developments that are unfinished. Um, does that make it harder to tell the difference between a property scam and uh, just an unfortunate project? The, the current economic crisis has affected developers as well as investors. Uh, and I think the, the lack of construction finance, the banks are not willing to lend to developers as easily as they were maybe two or three years ago when the clients actually paid the developers. So there are some circumstances where the developers simply overextended. Um, but I must say that those are slightly in the minority. Is there a particular country or market that is susceptible, perhaps more than others, uh, to scamming? Yeah, regrettably not. Uh, we've currently got cases of that nature in about 15 countries at the moment, so right. it doesn't ring true that it's only in certain jurisdictions. Regrettably, it's wherever uh, clients have been looking to invest abroad uh, that, uh, that these fraudsters or scams uh, can, can, can occur anywhere, really. There's no particular jurisdiction. 
Uh, obviously, there are lots of instances of overseas law uh, and policies uh, changing in different countries. I'm thinking of Cyprus uh, last year. Is that kind of change helping to prevent scams? Is that having an impact? It can, it can help address the problem, but it won't solve the problem in terms of if clients have not been informed correctly at the time of purchase uh, and have not sought proper independent legal advice, then those type of problems can be prevented. Those law changes generally affect the clients who are already, unfortunately, in those positions. Uh, and so, yes, they can help existing clients, but as I say, I refer back to uh, the clients should be placed in the most informed picture before they actually part with any money. Has the internet made it easier for property scammers to draw in unsuspecting buyers? I think so. Obviously, a lot of investors um, never have the intention of actually visiting the property that they're buying. It's simply a numbers game for them. Uh, and if the investment looks attractive enough, uh, then they will go ahead and purchase. Uh, obviously, the power of marketing and online marketing uh, is a big factor in clients uh, being seduced by glossy brochures and fantastic uh, projected returns without actually ever going to these sites. Uh, and visiting the potential investments, which, again, if they were doing that in the UK, they would never countenance doing that without actually physically going to the site. And so, yes, I think the internet has a big part to play um, in certainly the selling of them. What can people do before they make an investment in overseas property? Yeah, I mean, what we would advise, and I think most clients in the UK would never countenance buying a property without seeking independent legal advice. And I think part of the problem with people who find themselves in these uh, regrettable situations abroad is because they've either not sought independent legal advice or they've simply relied on the lawyers that were given to them by the developer or the selling agent. And so by, not, by only relying on their advice, um, the lawyers are quite clearly not acting in the client's best interest and therefore they are open uh, to being scammed, as it were. Any high-pressure sales pitch uh, on the on the telephones or via email uh, certainly would uh, be a cause for concern. Uh, I think that if uh, the developers or the selling agents weren't requesting that the clients seek their own legal advice and they were trying to push them into signing contracts or passing over deposits without giving any cooling off periods, those are the type of things that would certainly uh, raise some eyebrows, as it were, and I think any of those high-pressure sales uh, calls and tactics, um, certainly I would be wary of those. What can people do after they place money into a development that may have gone awry? It depends to whom they've paid the deposits right. and if they've actually got signed purchase contracts. Um, and there's a trail that they can uh, follow with regards to whom they paid. Um, and then obviously you can determine when you start to do any investigative work regarding that developer or that development or even that country, whether or not there's anything that can possibly be achieved for the client in terms of trying to recover that investment. And then if someone were to contact you, what kind of services could you offer? At the moment, we seem to be the only point of reference that can deal with issues uh, in multiple jurisdictions. I think there are other law firms in the UK that can deal with Spain or one can deal with Italy, but I think our global reach at the moment puts us in quite a unique position in being able to address issues pretty much anywhere in the world. A lot of it is based on the paperwork that the client has or doesn't have. 
lifespan. So once the client feels that they're in a, a position where uh, their money is at risk or the development hasn't been delivered for various reasons, um, we would need sight uh, of the relevant paperwork, generally the purchase contracts and the proofs of payment, for us to determine what's actually gone on and if there is any viable case for the client to get their funds back. Once that initial assessment has been done, and some conclusions have been drawn, then obviously we can have a more informed decision with the client about what's achievable in terms of being able to uh, to recover the investment. Mm-hmm. As I say, there's, uh, there's many, many cases. We're currently active in 15 jurisdictions against developers, both criminal and civil, in relation to those issues in particular of late delivery. The, the most important thing I think that I'm trying to get over is that people just need to take a step back, not be parting with any money, just off the cuff and just to um, to do what they would do in the UK and that is to get some advice to take a step back make sure everything's in order and if it still looks good the next day when you've got all the information to hand then of course go ahead and purchase uh, Thank you to Nick and to Neil and to Jonathan uh, I hope that's been a successful investigation into property scams we'll see you next month